The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. It's a two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. It's 2017. Welcome to another episode of Western Wednesday with Gunsmoke and the Six Shooter. Tonight I'm going to present the Six Shooter first because it has higher sound quality than the episode of Gunsmoke. It's also one of the more Gunsmoke-like episodes of the Six Shooter. This also gives Jimmy Stewart a chance to do his patented <laughs> whispering voice that he likes to do and that they like to have him do on the Six Shooter. And it's pretty effective. It's uh, surprising that, that not many folks other than Jimmy Stewart have done it at least so many times in radio. He likes to get his whispering voice down and really say that he's closing in on the bad guy and he, and he can't make too much noise because he'll hear him and then he gets up there with his gun and pow, takes a shot at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's fun. To, these episodes of The Six Shooter are a lot of fun. And this episode is, like I say, great sound quality. Fun fun episode overall, just inter- very entertaining. And a great episode of Gunsmoke 2, just the sound quality is not quite as good. Uh, about 16 episodes in, we're six episodes, seven, or on the seventh episode tonight of the of Gunsmoke. At about episode 16, you'll hear the sound quality really pick up drastically, and get um, it gets quite good um, there for a while. That I have some really nice copies of the episodes, so hang it, hang in there until we get to that point. Uh, and I'll just kind of trade places with Six Shooter or Gunsmoke, depending on the week. Uh, last week's episode of Gunsmoke featured a drink called a hot toddy and I thought I'll look that up because <laughs> they talked a lot about the hot toddy well the hot toddy is uh, a drink that came originally from uh, it sounds like the, the British when they were colonizing got it from the, um, the it was a Hindi um, concoction and word that it came from and they brought it into Britain and the British, when they uh, colonized the United States, they brought it to the New World with them, and uh, it's been here ever since, and that, then, of course, it traveled through time up through uh, to uh, be a drink that apparently um, Marshall Dillon really liked from last week's episode. So, uh, and I, I tell you what it's made out of, I, I forget exactly, the, but it's got honey in it, I know, and they say it's used to, um, oftentimes if you have, aren't, aren't feeling well, or have a chill, or um, a sore throat, that sort of thing, that people use hot toddies sometimes for that. Anyway, without further ado, here is the Six Shooter, 
followed by Gunsmoke. Enjoy. In just a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter, just one of the many great stars brought to you Sundays on NBC. Every Sunday, hear Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy in The Marriage, Sir Lawrence Olivier on Theater Royal, Lawrence Tibbet with the Golden Voices, Helen Hayes, Frederick March, Rex Harrison, and Lily Palmer on the NBC Star Playhouse. All of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, immediately following this important announcement, you'll hear Act One of The Six Shooter. Meet the safe driver. If you know what makes him stay alive on the highways, you may be able to follow his good example. He always keeps his car in A1 mechanical condition. He shows courtesy for other drivers. He knows that speed is his greatest enemy. And most important, he knows and obeys the laws. Remember, few accidents happen with safe drivers. Are you one of them? Now, Act One of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. I hadn't seen Mary and Dan for pretty near three years, not since they left the panhandle. So I figured as long as I was riding up through the Platte River country, I might as well swing out of my way a piece and look in on them. Now, we'd been real good friends for a long time. It was kind of like going home. And the closer I got, the more I kept thinking back, remembering, kind of daydreaming. You know, riding across prairie flat sort of does that to you. Your horse, he kind of finds his own trail mostly, and you just slouch easy like in the saddle and listen to the hoof beats, study, regular. Things you haven't thought about for years sneak into your head. Anyhow, I, I still had a day to go, and I, I was watching out for a good spot to bed down when I saw this campfire up ahead. Well, the way I figure, human beings are always better company than coyotes, so I gave Scar a flick with the reins and headed up toward it. Whoa, easy now, boy. Very well. Easy. Ah, howdy. Hiya. Uh, you, uh, you'd rather camp private? Well, climb down. Pour yourself some java. Well, thanks. Easy, boy. Whoa. Hey, whiz, that smells good. Yeah. You, uh, any notion about how far this walnut creek? Mm, 20 miles or so, right? 
That where you're going? Yeah, yeah. I stopped over there. A couple of friends there I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, a fellow there I ain't seen for a while, neither. That's all. Uh, hey, by George, there's good coffee. Yeah, I've been hunting him for over three years. Finally located him. I'm going to kill him. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, how come? I murdered my kid brother four years ago in Laredo. Shut him down in the street. Yeah. Well, another killing won't bring him back. Oh, nothing will bring him back. And after I killed Dan Mailer, nothing will bring him back, neither. Dan Mailer? That's right, Ponce. Huh? Yeah, I know who you was. As soon as you rode up to that fire and I got a look at that gun of yours. Britt Ponce. The fellow they call the six-shooter. Well, you must have known I was a friend of Dan's. How come you told me all this? Well, I figure you'll warn him. And that's fine with me. I want him to know. Have time to get scared, you know. Maybe try to run away. I like it if he runs a while first. I'll catch up with him. You tell him that, Ponset. You tell him Red Lawson's coming to kill him. And there ain't nothing he can do about it. Well, thanks for the coffee. Easy, boy. Now, Lawson... I reckon Dan won't run. I'll be seeing you. Come on, boy. Come on, Scott. That's the trouble with the past. There wasn't only good things in it. Got some bad ones, too. And one of the bad ones was reaching out for Dan and Mary. I didn't know this fellow Lawson. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I did know Dan... And I knew if he'd killed somebody back there in Texas, it hadn't been murder. It was long about the middle of forenoon when I rode up the dirt road between the rows of cottonwoods, turned into the yard. Old hound dog came charging around the side of the house, sounding a lot meaner than he looked. Oh, boy. Oh, Scar. Here now. Here now. Now quit it. Yeah, you don't want to bite anybody. Ah, uh, uh, nice fella. Uh, go on, tell him you got company. Go on, boy, go on. Go on. The place had a good feel to it. Quiet, peaceful. And then I remembered Lawson. Oh, I just can't believe it. Hiya, Mary. Yeah, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Uh, Dan, come on up and see who's here. Hurry. He's been working in the barn fixing up one of the plows. How are you? Hey, you Mary? haven't changed a bit, Mary, unless you're a little prettier than Oh, oh you're oh, just... You're <laughs> Hiya, Dan. Son of a gun. Uh, oh, you stayed away too long. Well, things came up, Dan. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. You, you're sure looking good, both of oh, you. Oh, feeling good, too. Settling down is what does it, Britt. Yeah, she took a good saddle man and turned him into a poor plowman. What do you think of that? That's not true, Dan. <laughs> We've got the best stand of corn west of the Omaha. What's really great, though, Britt, is peace. Peace? No more gunfighting, a range wars. Never knowing whether Dan would come home sitting up in his saddle or tied onto it. That's all in the past now. Why, Dan doesn't even wear a gun anymore. And that's the way I want it, Britt. It's the kind of life I want from... 
Oh, have we got a surprise for you. Oh, well, you, you know, I... Kind of hard to surprise, you know. You remember? <laughs> That's what you think. Come on inside. Now, don't you tell him, Dad. Oh, no. Oh, you'll see, Fred. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What, could we, one of those newfangled player pianos, is oh, that it? Oh, no. A piano. That's the most ridiculous guess I ever heard of. Well, it sure couldn't be anything that... that, that Look. Has... Hmm? Well, I'll be darned. Well, uh, well, well, I'll be... Well, I'll be... Doggone. It's a baby. It's a baby. Well, which, which kind is it, Mary? Not it. Hmm? He. That's oh. young Brit. He'll be a year and a half old next month. That name was Mary's idea, Brit. I sure wouldn't have wished it on him. Well, 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 I'll be doggone. Oh, he's all upset. Hasn't had his nap out. Rich will have to look him over later. You and Dan go on outside now and let me quiet him down. Oh, sure, Mary. I can't have my namesake all upset. Are you hungry, Brit? Oh, you. I'm always hungry. You know that, Mary. Good. Got some buttermilk cornbread in the oven. Be ready in a minute. You know, Brit, Mary is right. This is a good life. I never thought I'd settle down and like it, but I sure have done it. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, I... I guess Mary can't hear us out here, can she? No, she can't hear us. Why, what's the matter, Britt? I met a fellow on the trail last night, Dan. Name's Red Lawson. Lawson? Says you shot his brother in Laredo about four years ago. Lawson. Kurt Lawson. Yep. Yeah, I did, Britt. He was one of the Bracken gang, that bunch of rustlers that pulled an ambush on me when I was working for the Circle J Ranch. Well, I guess I better dig out the shooting irons and go after him. No, wait a minute, Dan. Wait nothing. He's probably holed up in town. The odds will be better if I go after him instead of waiting for him to come to me. Yeah, but what about Mary? Well, that's just it. If I catch him in town, it'll keep him from coming out here. And... What about her, Britt? What do you mean? Well, she's happy now, Dan. She figures this kind of thing is all over and done with. Well, she'll sure find out different if he comes out here gunning for me. Well, maybe he won't, though. Maybe, Dan, maybe I can do something. Britt, I've always fought my own battles. But you've got Mary now. You've got the baby. And you're a lot faster with a gun than I am. Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, Dan. I, there are just other answers besides killing, that's all. Or maybe we can find one anyway. We can try, can't we? <laughs> I saddled up Scar a bit early the next morning and rode into town alone. Figured I'd have a talk with the sheriff. After all, this was his job when you come right down to it. Well, he wasn't in his office at the county jail. He was out of town for the next three days. So I walked down the main street trying to figure out what to do. I, this wasn't much of a town, Walnut Creek. It's a couple of blocks of clabbered buildings, boardwalk along the front of them, sheet iron awnings up over, and nothing much stirring but the dogs. Sleepy, quiet, real nice and peaceful for everybody except me. Fred! Huh? Oh. Oh, Mary. Certainly an early bird this morning. Well, Mary, does Dan know you came into town by yourself? Well, I don't know, Rick. I come in alone every day 
to. Why shouldn't I? Something wrong, Britt? No, no, no. I just wondered, that's all. Actually, I think he was too busy to notice I'd left. You know what he was doing? Cleaning his guns. You're a bad influence, Britt. Well, I... I think you've started him thinking about things... Well, we... Ponsett, oh. how about it? You give him my message? What? Lawson. Mary, uh, I'll... I'll see you later, huh? Well, all right, Britt. Oh, now, there, there ain't no need of the lady. No. Like uh, goodbye, Mary. I'll see you later, huh? Uh, all right, Britt. If you say so. Get here. Come on. Come on. Mary, huh? Dan's wife, maybe. I hear he's got a kid, too. Yeah, maybe you hear too much, Lawson. And talk too much, too. Maybe you don't ride enough. Oh, I'll ride. I'm through here. When I get even. Yeah, but Dan told me about that. Your brother tried to ambush him. He was in with the Bracken gang. That don't make no difference to me. He was my brother. Dan Mailer was in my place. He might feel the same way. Maybe I'll give him a chance to feel the same way. Now that I know he's got a wife, a kid. Well, Lawson, if you touch me or Yeah, yeah, I kid. know. I know a lot. But once I've done what I come here to do, I don't care what happens afterwards. You, Dan Mailer, can make no move until I do. You see how it stacks up, Ponson? I got all the cars. And he turned his back and he walked off down the street and I stood there watching him go. Knowing he was right, he did have all the cards. There was only one thing in the world he wanted, revenge. And he didn't care what it cost to get it, even his life. Dan and I couldn't move first, and afterwards it'd be too late. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. When it's entertainment you're after, you'll find the very best on this station of the NBC radio network. Thursday night, for example, you'll hear Robert Young, Roy Rogers, Ralph Edwards, and Eddie Cantor, each with a great program for your listening pleasure. Robert Young on Father Knows Best, a program based on the assumption that the man of the family can put one over on the wife and youngsters. And Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards. When Ralph sends a contestant off on a consequence, it usually ends up as one of radio's funniest stunts. And if you like Western songs and adventures, you'll find none better than the ones you hear on the Roy Rogers Show. Then, to top it all off, hear the little-known stories of show business that Eddie Cantor tells on Show Business Show each Thursday on the NBC Radio Network. Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. I found Mary finally at the general store, and I stayed with her while she bought some things, and we headed back to the farm. Just like a woman, she was curious about the fellow I'd stopped to talk with, wondered why I hadn't introduced her. I had a real hard time stalling her off, but I managed to. With Dan, it was different. Hello, 
Dan? Are you in there, Dan? Yeah, come on in, Britt. Been cleaning my guns. Oh, forget it, Dan. There are better ways. Yeah? You got one figured? No. No, not yet. I saw Lawson in town a while ago, Dan. Oh. You talked to him any? Yes, yes, I talked to him. I reckon you better stay close to Mary and the boy. Why? What do you mean? What do you mean, Britt? Did he say anything? No, not exactly. He saw Mary in town, though. Why, that dirty... Well, I didn't let him talk to her, Dan. She wondered about it, though. She'll probably ask you later. That settles it, then. I hadn't even thought of that side of it. Britt, I'm going after him. You wouldn't have a chance, Dan. You're selling me kind of short, ain't you? No, I, I don't mean it that way. A Lawson wouldn't draw even if you called him. That's not what he's after, don't you see? You'd have to kill him in cold blood, and I don't think you could do that, Dan. No. No, I couldn't. Not even Lawson. What are we going to do, Britt? We waited and watched. The day passed. No sign of Lawson. Nothing happened. But instead of feeling easier, we just got more keyed up. Mary didn't seem to catch on anything was wrong. Then supper was over and the night started to come on. and We just sat around talking while Mary got the baby off to sleep, singing to him and rocking him. Katie did start chirping close. Way off toward the hills, the coyotes took up and answered them. Inside was sort of quiet and gentle. I think he's finally drifted off. Yeah, yeah, he looks sound asleep. Just look at him lying there, completely helpless. And so lovable, you could just eat him up. Well, I suppose he'll get himself some hair and teeth someday. Maybe look a little more human then. Dan, that's a fine way to talk about your own son. That's when I heard it. Sound outside. A horse stamped just one or two times. Like somebody was holding too tight a rein on him. Scar and Dan's stock were all in the corral. Over next to the barn. This was right up close to the house. I didn't let on to Mary or Dan. What's the matter, Britt? You getting restless? Hmm? No, no, I, I, uh, oh, uh, it's too many years on the trail, I guess. I, you know, I think maybe I'll amble outside. I get a little fresh air. Well, watch out for the coyotes, Britt. They grow them big around here. Dangerous, too. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep an eye on Coming out of the light that way, as blind as a bat. I stopped on the porch, I... Waited a minute so I could get used to the dark. I stood there listening to the sounds coming out of the night. The katydids, the coyotes. Then I heard it again. I moved around the corner of the house. It was all quiet. No sign of anybody. I drew fast and fired at the fire. Then I could hear a horse getting away. Rich! Rich, you all right? Yeah, Dan. Lost. He got away. Heaven, were you trying to do? Are you all right, Mary? Small thanks to you if I am. That first shot didn't miss me or the baby by more than six inches. Well, I'm sorry, Mary. I Well, there was a coyote out there, and I, I didn't realize... Didn't realize, you fool. You might have killed us both, and you didn't realize... Stop it, Mary. Britt was... No, no, no. No, she's right, Dan. It's my fault. I just didn't think, that's all. Britt, 
I think you've worn a gun so long it's beginning to affect your mind. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Look, I, I, uh, I think maybe I'll ride into town for a while if nobody minds. I'm, I'm awful sorry, Mary. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. Hmm. I ought to go with him, Mary. Why? After a fool trick like that, he ought to be alone. Nobody should be around him. It isn't safe to be. Oh, you don't understand, Mary. You just don't. Yeah. Well, let's go back in the house. Yeah. What? Let's all go back in. Dad. Lawson. Why, you... Easy, Mailer. You see how it is. Gun ain't pointed at you. One crazy move and your wife will get it. All right. Let's all go inside. Go on, move. Nice place. Yes, sir. Real nice place. Had a storeroom over there? Mailer. Yeah. All right. Get inside, both of you. I said get inside. Come on, Mary. Ah. I ought to hold you. Huh? Stop. Horse car. Oh, boy. Hold up here. Oh. I could hear him up front. I could hear him. Uh, I've heard a lot of horses on the trail. Enough of them to know that this one had an empty saddle on him. I read Lawson hadn't left that farm at all. Just a second. Wait till I get this. I'll try to get this door open. Rip! Where is he? Nobody here, Dan. The baby! What? Where's the baby? I don't know. Dan! The Lawson was here. He waited for you to leave and locked us up. He kept coming over to the storeroom door telling us what he was going to do. He said he'd burn the house, all kinds of things. He couldn't have got away. He was here just a minute ago. And he has the baby. Rich! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's got to come over here to the barn to get the horse. Huh? Grab your gun. Come on, Dan. Stay come here, on. Mary. Don't come out of the house. got the baby. This won't be easy. I know. I can't figure why he waited. He had all of us. I, I can't figure it. Yes, he's waited three years. He just wanted to enjoy it, that's all. All right, come on. We better separate. No use making it easy for him. Right, Bree. All in. Right where you are. The moon came out from behind the cloud. I could see him now standing right in the barn door, right in the open, like he wasn't afraid of anything. And then I saw why he wasn't afraid. He was holding a gun in his hand, not pointing it at us, though. It was aimed at a little bundle squirming on the hay behind him. 
I reckon you can see how things stand. One movement's all over for the kid. All right, Mailer. Drop your gun. I'm the one you're after, Lawson. All right, you got me. How about leaving Mary and the baby out of it? I killed your brother. They didn't. Hey, you'd miss him, though, wouldn't you? I guess you'd miss him real bad. Why, you... you... Hey, hey. Careful, Mailer. Dan just stood there. Helpless. Hands up in the air. The moon was out full now. I knew I could get a clear sight on Lawson, but I didn't dare to draw on fire. He'd still have time to jerk that trigger. The gun muzzle was about three inches from the baby's head. All right, Ponce. Move on over next to Mailer. I want you both where I can see you. Go on, move. I walked over and stood beside Dan. Four years, Mailer. Four years I've been dreaming about this. Now it's even better than I thought. I didn't know you'd have a family. I didn't know I'd get the six-shooter along with you. It's our fight, Lawson. Why don't you leave the rest of them out of it? I had a brother once. Four for one makes a pretty fair payoff. I kept watching his gun. It was the only chance. If it swerved for one second, I'd make a play. But it didn't swerve. And the time was running out. And then... Then I caught something from the corner of my eye. Just the bare flicker of it. It was over in the... Over at the side of the house. It, it was Mary. I made my draw. Lawson! Here! Why are you... You dropped your bridge. Now make sure, Dan. Wait, no, we've got to make sure. Oh. Is that... Sure enough for you? Yeah. Baby, is he all right? Yeah, he's all right, Mary. Oh, thank heaven. Mary, if anybody had told me that you could do what you just did, I... Here now, I don't come know. to mother. You mean after the way I've always felt about guns? And after you tried to keep all this from me? Well, I... Dan told me all about it when we were locked in the storeroom. Oh, there now, darling, it's all right now. Red, I saw what was happening out here, and I remember the rifle, and... Well, after all, I... I mean, there was nothing else to do. All right now, darling. About three days later, I said goodbye. But I knew I'd be coming back that way someday. Dan and Mary aren't just the kind of friends a man forgets. Dan, tough cowpoke from the range country, all settled down and liking it. And that Mary, she was gentle and sweet and firing at a killer to save her baby's life. And that baby, you know, naming him Brett the way they'd done, you know, that's, that, that gives you kind of a funny feeling having a baby named after you. Kind of a good feeling. I, I figured I'd probably be telling the boys all about that when I got to Wyoming. The truce in Korea doesn't mean we should stop writing letters to our men and women in service. Mail from home is just as important now as it ever was. In some respects, it's even more important. 
The action, the strain, the anxieties of war can keep a soldier's mind occupied. But when the letdown comes, the time to relax, that's when morale needs a shot in the arm. Your soldier knows the shooting is over. He's done his big job, and now he wants to get home. But unfortunately, there's still a lot to keep him for a while. So don't let him down. Help keep up his morale. Write that letter today. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt. And today's transcribed story was written by Les Crutchfield. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture Thunder Bay. Others in the cast were Shirley Mitchell, Leon Ledoux, Paul Richards, and Barney Phillips. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Hal Gibney speaking. Enjoy thrilling historical adventure in Stroke of Fate tonight on the NBC Radio Network. Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Starring William Conrad. The story of violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Howdy, Marshal. Hello, Mr. Biggs. Can I give you a hand? No, no. This is the last match here. Hey, wait till the flies get to these buffalo hides in the morning and be enough vultures overhead to keep the place in the shade for a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll sure have your hands full by tomorrow night. Yeah, it looks that way. When these boys turn them hides into cash, they'll bite the corks out of every bottle in town. <laughs> and some of them look mean enough sober. Yeah. Well, you better bed down and get some sleep, Mr. Biggs. Uh, where are your boys? Yeah. I don't know. Jeff had some trouble with the dry axle up near Pony Rock, and Boaz stopped to help him fix it, but they shouldn't be this long behind me. Well, if I see him, I'll tell him where to find you. You, you can tell Jeff, but Boaz ain't even going to hear you. Oh, why? What's the matter with him? Oh, he's riding higher than an eagle. You know that white buffalo you've been hearing about? The albino? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just Indian talk. Oh, you think so, huh? Well, if it is, Boaz sure shot himself a mighty scared buffalo. <laughs> White as borax. Huh. That ought to fetch a price. Hey! Anybody seen Marshal Dillon? Oh, right over, there. over here, Chester. 
You better saddle up, Mr. Dillon. What's the matter, Chester? Indian trouble. Two men dead and a couple of wagons burned up out there. I found this. A war rattle made out of buffalo toads. Arapaho. Well, they haven't been making any trouble. Well, these did. I, I was topping a hill when I saw the wagons go up in fire. It was Indians, all right. I saw one ride off. That's funny. I never heard of Arapahoes attacking at night. How far out, Chester? Ten mile, maybe. Toward Pawnee Rock. Pawnee Rock? Marshal, my son's just coming from there. Easy, Mr. Grazer. Lots of wagons in the church. <laughs> Marshal, I didn't see another wagon between here and Pawnee except the ones we had, but... The Indians killed my boy. There's only one way to make sure, Mr. Biggs. Saddle up and ride over to my office. I'll be with you as soon as I can get my horse. I cut back through those button willows over there when I spotted the wagons being fired. We must be close to it, then. Just over there. Right down yonder. See him? Yeah. I see him. We rode up and dismounted. The last glint of hope in Mr. Big's eyes died. His boys were there, all right. And it wasn't nice to see. Kill him. I'll get him, please. I'll murder every redskin in the territory. We gotta bring your sons in, Mr. Biggs. You know what the morning's gonna be like. You don't want to leave him out here. Now come on. Hey, look. Down there by the stream. Yeah, four of them. And they're not saddle horses. Mr. Biggs. Mr. Biggs. You recognize yeah. those horses down there? I, yeah. I know them. Teams belong to Boaz and Jeff. Indians must cut them loose from the wagons before they fired them. Doesn't that seem curious to you, Chester? In what way, Mr. Dillon? Why didn't they take the horses with them? Yeah. What are you thinking, Marshal? No burned hides in those wagons. So they stole them. Yeah, they stole them. But Boaz and Jeff both have their rifles there beside them, and the horses are left behind, too. Horses and guns are the first things Indians would go for. What are you looking for, Mr. Dillon? Those buffalo hides weren't carried off without wagons. Yeah, here. Marks the two other wagons here, and they're fresh. I didn't see any other wagons, only these. Well, they'd finish and gone before you got here, Chester. Well, yeah, but I, I'd have caught up to any wagons on the trail to Dodge. Did you go by regular trail? Well, no, I... I figured the Indian I saw wasn't alone. I didn't want to get bushwhacked further on. You didn't see any Indian, Chester. But Mr. Dillon, just as plain No as... Indian would leave guns and horses. This job was done by white men. It didn't take anything that could be recognized or identified. You mean somebody's in Dodge by now? With the hides my boys worked and sweated to get? I'm afraid so, Mr. Biggs. Now, there'll be more than 300 buffalo hunters there by morning. It could be any of them. We'll find our right ones. Oh, how? The albino. Whoever killed your sons will have that white buffalo hide. (laughs) 
was almost sunup when we got back to town. And more wagons had jammed the main street lining up for the unloading barns. I rode down the line, looking them over one by one. Howdy, Marshal. Some of the men would take their money, drink it up, and drift away. Few would stay long enough to be buried on Boot Hill. Then suddenly a wagon driver up ahead pulled out a line. Hey, wait a minute, Jim. Take your hands off that cheese. I'll take my hands off since you get back to your place. Oh, I'm tired of waiting. Now let go of that bit, mister. Don't do that, stranger. Get your hand away from that gun. Well, now, know there's any law around you. There is, so don't try making your own. You got no right grabbing my team. I got plenty right when he tries to horn in in front of me, Marshal. That's a lie, Marshal. He cut Never mind. You both want to cool your heads out in jail? Now, what's your name? Tennessee is good enough. A lot of people from Tennessee coming into the territory. Most of them are pretty peaceful. That sounds like you're saying I'm not. You move pretty fast for that gun. Man can lose his temper. You lost yours four times according to the notches you've carved into that gun butt. But don't try for number five. Not here. How about you? What do you call Charlie Kell. Charlie Kell, huh? They ever call you Chuck? No. Heard of a Chuck Kell a couple of years back. Come from Kentucky. Not me. Man I heard about was a gunfighter. So he never wore gloves. See, you don't either. It's pretty rough on the hands. Thanks, Marshal. I'll make sure to take better care of him. Yeah, do that. I'll be around a while, Marshal. Maybe we can have another talk. Anytime. They'd need watching. But what I wanted now was a white buffalo hide. Searching the wagons wouldn't do. There wasn't time. And the search had let the killers know that something in the hides they'd stolen could be identified. The time to find out would be when the buyers checked them. I got Biggs and Chester to cover two of the unloading barns, and I covered the third one. Then finally, daylight came, and the haggling started. Son, you want to sell those hides? Better learn how to handle your skinning knife a little better. They're as good as any. They're full of holes, they ain't. Give you four dollars a hide for the bunch. You gave that last fellow eight. <laughs> He looked tougher than you. Six. I'll take six. Four. Take it or leave it. You think you can rob me, mister? Watch your mouth, boy. Here, none of that. Let me go. Easy, son. Go. Let me have that gun just so you won't be tempted. There, that's better. Give me that. Give it back. You can pick it up at my office whenever you're ready to leave town. Yeah, you look like a city boy to me. Where are you from? St. Louis? None of your business. When something's got you beat, son, there's no shame to admitting it and going home. Sometimes that takes a real man. Don't tell me what to do. Why don't you watch your own job? Why don't you leave me alone, Marshal? I ain't got a white buffalo hide. What'd you say, boy? You heard me. What do you know about a white buffalo hide? What everybody else knows. That you're looking for one. Everybody in town knows it. How? 
Because the old man whose sons were bushwhacked all liquored up over at the other barn, shooting off his mouth. Don't go away mad, Marshal. <laughs> Mr. Biggs wasn't at the barn where I'd left him. I cut through an alley to Front Street and headed for the saloons. I never got to him. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon? What's the matter, Chester? Old man Biggs. Where is he? I'm looking for him. Well, he... He was over by the barn I was watching. Drunk. Going through the wagon. Yeah, I know about that. I was trying to get him to go back to his own barn, but all of a sudden, he took off. For where? I don't know. But there was one wagon he was watching in particular. The driver walked away from it with a package of some kind. That white hide? It could have been. I don't know. But Big sure thought so. He lit out after a fellow with blood in his eye. Which way? Down there where the boy's been hitching the empty wagon. Well, let's go. Old boy's drunk enough to make trouble. He's liable to kill somebody. Or get killed. Too late, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. It came from there behind that row of wagons. You stay here, Chester. Be careful, Mr. Dillon. When I rounded the corner wagon, Mr. Biggs was sprawled across a wagon tongue, his eyes dead and open, staring at the ground. And standing over him was Tennessee, a smile on his face, and his gun extended to me butt first. Looks like I'm in a mite of trouble, Marshal. He's dead, Tennessee. That's more than a mite. Uh, you take my gun for a while. You mean until after you hang? Wasn't figuring it to be that serious. Not when a drunk follows me out here and throws down on me. If you're figuring on self-defense, forget it. Look at his gun. It isn't even caught. What's out of his holster, Marshal? That's enough. Law don't say I have to wait till he kills me. You'll have to make a jury believe that. No, I shouldn't have much trouble doing that, Marshal. What are you doing here, Mr. Kell? Oh, I just happened to follow Tennessee out here. Why? Well, you broke up our little argument in town. Thought I'd get him alone here. See if maybe he was still nursing a grudge he wanted to settle. But the old man beat me to it. Now, Tennessee here ain't exactly a friend of mine, as you know, but... I hate to see any man hang when he ain't guilty. Is that your personal verdict, Mr. Kill? That's right, Marshal. The old man threw down on him, and Tennessee had to kill him in self-defense. Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon? Which one of them had the package? This one. This is the fellow the old man was after. All right, Tennessee, where is it? I don't know anything about a package. Look in the wagon, Chester. See anything? Nothing here. I reckon you can give my gun back to me now. All right, Tennessee. Here. Thanks. But if you decide to use it again while you're in Dodge or any place else in Kansas, I hope I'm there when you do. Well, now, don't you fret, Marshal. I'm sure you will be. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, action, excitement, thrills.
That's Gangbusters. Gangbusters helps to fight crime by fearlessly naming the criminals. Listen for it later this evening on CBS Radio. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Just before sundown, we buried old man Biggs and his two sons up on Boot Hill. By the time the service was over and I rode down, darkness had fallen. And everything was going full blast. The town was roaring. Seemed like a good man, old Biggs. He was, Chester. So are his boys. Yeah, but there are too many men like Tennessee and Cal coming in, Mr. Dillon. They won't last, Chester. They'll keep coming, but they won't last. They'll take a gun and go against a man, but they won't sweat. They won't take root and build. We still gonna look for that hide? Yeah. Well, just what do you want me to do, Mr. Dillon? Tennessee and Cal will be in town, but their wagons are back there with the other empties. Ride back and look them over. Well, they might have had somebody carry that package off for them. It might be, but they don't seem like partners, Mr. Dillon. From what I heard, you stopped them from gunfighting. Took more than one man to kill the Biggs boys, and more than one man and more than one wagon to cart the hides in. Well, you mean they staged that trouble just for you? Just for me. After they heard I was looking for that white hide. Well, why do you figure that, Mr. Dillon? When gunfighters start for their guns, nothing stops them, Chester. They both started, but they both stopped. I reckon you better take a look through those wagons. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Uh, where will I meet you? I'll be checking the saloons. <laughs> One by one, I made the stops. The Long Branch, the Alafraganza, the Texas Trail. And one by one, they got quieter as I went in. As though each place was holding its breath, waiting for something to happen. The last place was a Mexican hangout. A long, dark walk. Marshal? Can't see me, can you, Marshal? No. No, I can't see you, son. Too bad. Because I got another gun. They sell them around here. And I ain't going back to St. Louis. You'll fire once, son, and if you don't kill me with that, and I'll kill you. I'll gamble on that, Marshal. <laughs> He lurched from the shadows into the street, staggered, and fell. And then he rolled over on his back, and his eyes struggled for a minute like they were trying to remember something. And then he went blank. Well, he is right about one thing. He wasn't going back to St. Louis. 
Well, what do you know? The marshal's real handy with a gun. Stay out of this, Kel. But I may have something to talk over with you later. Meaning what? If you don't know it, then you got nothing to worry about. I've been hearing a lot about how fast you are with a gun, Dylan. Anything to it? I'm still alive. Yeah. This your hobby? Shooting kids? He was old enough to try to kill me. I don't like it, Marshal. That's too bad, Mr. Kell. The Chuck Kell I heard about would have loved it. They said he'd killed two kids under 16, one of them his own brother. No, you didn't hear the whole story, Marshal. The Kell you heard about killed a Marshal, too. You made the bid, Mr. Kell. And you got a gun. Use it or I'll take it away from you. Come and get it. Anytime. Here it is. How you feeling, Mr. Dillon? I'm all right, Chester. Doc fixed your head. Wasn't much he could do for Kel, though. I hit him. If you didn't, he sure died for nothing. He was fast, all right. Boys say you made him look like a sleepy burrow. Never even cleared his holster. And my head says different. You didn't get that from Kel. What do you mean? Tennessee was up the street with a rifle. He creased you. Huh? Where is he now? I don't know, Mr. Dillon. He rode out of town before I could stop him. I was the only one who saw him. I was coming up street to find you. All right. Let's get out of here. find anything in the wagons? No, sir. But I found Tennessee's wife. Wife? That's right, Mr. Dillon. In a small wagon next to his. He's a squaw man. His wife's an Indian girl. Well, let's find her. All right, Chester. Which way? Edge of town, Mr. Dillon. Well, let's go. You talked to the wife? Yes, sir. Found out Tennessee and Kel were friends, all right. They left her here night before last and arranged to meet her here today. She said they were driving empty wagons when they left her. Ask her what tribe she belonged to? Didn't have to ask, Mr. Dillon. I could tell by her beads. She's an Arapaho. <laughs> there, all right. Crouched by the wheel of a wagon. Her face was bloody, and she stared into a small campfire, rocking back and forth without a sound. She wasn't beat up when I left her, Mr. Dillon. Where's your husband? He... gone. Gone where? He... gone. Tell me which way he went, and I'll bring him back to you. No. You lawman. Your husband had a white buffalo hide, didn't he? Tell me. No. Other man. 
killed what buffalo. Then your husband took the hide away from him? Well, he buy. He buy hide. He didn't buy him. He killed two men to get him. He killed with Indian paint on his face. He left an Arapaho war rattle. He wants the blame to come to your people. If the white men think the Arapahoes are on the war path, the soldiers will come. No. Arapaho. Peaceful. Where's the white hide? What'd your husband do with it? He tell me. Bury it. Where? Where's it buried? There. Back there. By tree. Go dig it up, Chester. And stay with her till I get back. You going after him, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, as soon as she tells me which way. All right, Mr. Dillon. You're white man. No good. Now tell me which way he went. You let him go. He not come back. I can't let him go. If I do, the soldiers will come after your people. He beat you, and he ran away from you. Now he'll bring death to your tribe unless I get him. Where did he go? He... He right to... where moon sleep. I rode east. Tennessee had had about an hour's start, but I figured to make up most of that before sunrise. The prairie was open and flat except for an occasional roll. And the Arkansas River would keep him from cutting south. His best bet for a fresh horse would be Kinsley, and I rode hard for it. It was just turning daylight when I rode in. Well, howdy, Marshal. Morning. Good morning. Got a place I can water my horse. Trough right there. Just let him loose. He'll find it. Thank you. Looks like you come a long way. Dodge. Now, the fella here just a few minutes ago been riding hard, too. He come from up Pawnee Way, though. Tall, dark, riding a vinegar roan? Yeah, that's right. You get a fresh horse here? Had to send my boy out to Corral to get one for him. He'll be back soon. You mean he's still here in town? Yeah. Asked about breakfast, so I sent him over to the Witter Hilliard's place. Uh, right over there, across the road. Thank you. I'll be back. Say, you after that fellow, Marshal? Understand your servant breakfast, ma'am. Why, sure thing, Marshal. Dylan! That's right. Give me a clear way out the door, or I'll kill you. Come by me, Tennessee. I'll come shooting. That's all right. But just be sure you get me this time. Well, I... 
hurt, ma'am. No, I... I'm all right, Marshal. He looks kind of dead. Yeah. Bad one, hmm? Yes, ma'am. Gunfighter. Thief. Killer. What's your name, Marshal? Dillon, ma'am. Matt Dillon. I, uh... I'm sorry about... Marshal, when my husband brought me out here 15 years ago, Indians burned this place down three times. I'm used to killing. You want to carry him out? I'll go fix you that breakfast. Thank you, ma'am. It's a long ride back to Dodge. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Joel Murcott, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Stan Waxman, John Daner, and Larry Dobkin, with Sam Edwards, Julian Bayef, Tom Holland, and Mary Lansing. Barley Bayer is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. <laughs> Something new in CBS Radio Newsroom coverage, World News with Robert Trout presents as a special weekly feature an interview with a crack CBS Radio News correspondent. This correspondent flies in from his post overseas to give you his authoritative eyewitness viewpoint on latest developments. Tomorrow afternoon on most of these same stations, World News with Robert Trout. This is Clarence Cassell speaking. And remember, from now to November, you'll find intensive impartial campaign coverage on the CBS Radio Network.